whistling birds, an asset recovery heist, and a crisp-looking Mando stunting on everybody. This is Chapter 3 of The Mandalorian, and this is Episode 3 of Concord Dawn. So this is Episode 3 of Concord Dawn. I'm Steve. Devin's over here. We're talking about episode, I guess, chapter three called The Sin. It's called The Sin, yeah. Directed by Deborah Chow. The first episode directed, or the first of, of any live action Star Wars directed by a woman, Deborah Chow. Go girls. Go women. So, and she's actually a prominent TV director, and she's also directing every every episode of the upcoming Obi-Wan, Obi, Obi-Wan series. Good Lord. All seven. And she's also directing episode seven of this season. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. This is a very good episode. So I was going to say, let's just dive right in. So you, what do you think of this episode? I think it's the best one so far. That seems to be the kind of general consensus. Yep. It's probably the best so far that we've seen. Uh, just a lot of action, a lot of fun stuff there. 37 minutes. So it makes it the longest episode. (laughs) Second longest of the series so far. Second longest. Is it? Yeah. I think the first episode was 39 minutes. So maybe it was two minutes there. Maybe by the episode eight. Right. We'll we'll get get to an hour. Maybe we'll break that 40 minutes mark good lord all right let's just dive right in let's let's just get right through so yeah we both agree that this is the best episode so far good mix of action and it's not the the two previous episodes i guess you could maybe argue that they're too slow which is funny because the kind of whole idea of this series is more of a western and that involves a lot of slow pace a lot of moving a lot of just walking into sunsets and stuff so this episode has been the strongest i think just pacing wise for sure and just just a lot of fun to watch. Uh, still, I, it's hard to predict what's going to happen with this series, like where, where it goes, which is nice. I like the idea that every episode is just better than the last. Yeah. That's fine by That's me. That's true. I, I guess you're right. It is uh, two was better than one. and yeah, all right, yeah, So um, we open up with Yiddle. He's in tow, and the Mandalorian is heading toward the client. Yeah. That's what happens. And then we see Yiddle going for the... Was it the little lever on the ship, and he's trying to get the little ball off of it? And the Mandalorian's like, "That's not a toy." Picks him up, puts him back in his little bassinet. Yeah. So he, the whole point is, he's basically on his way back to Grief Karga. Well, no, actually, he receives a transmission from Grief Karga to basically says, "Ah, I heard. Good job. Get back here." Hey, Mando. Yeah. Hey, man. Does anybody <laughs> else ever call him Mando? Or is it just him? I think it's just. I him. mean, that's. Yeah, that's weird that they call him it's, Mando. It's not his. It's not his name his because name like other Mando. Mandalorians have had names, and he's just the Mandalorian. I mean, I know that we eventually do get to learn his name. I think yeah. that's been leaked. Yeah, well, it was leaked because it was. In, it was leaked know, by the Mandalorian yeah. himself. He never said. I mean, you can assume that that we're going to learn his name, but there's no indication that, that that's going to happen. But I think it'd be weird not to. So he receives his transmission from Grief Karga. Hey, you got the. You got the. The asset, bring him back here. Life right, is just good. that they're kind of happy and they're like really eager to get Yiddle, the asset, back right. into their possession. Because at this point, it's a kind of a mixture of he's like, well, I'm a, I'm attached to this creature, but at the same time, you know, I gotta do my right. job. I think it's yeah, definitely been noticed that he's yeah. getting more and more attached to this thing, where he's not just a regular bounty. And I think maybe the fact that he was a quote unquote foundling as a kid probably oh. gives him. A little sense. more sympathy that. toward this little child that doesn't 
seem to have parents. And not only because he's just, it's criminally cute. Very cute, yeah. Great CGI of him, too. Because it's obviously, I because th- I mean, it looks like it's a mixture of like puppetry and CGI. Right. It's very They done, did a though. very good job making it look lifelike, especially especially for a uh, a TV show. Yeah, and the fact that I mean it's it's proven by them taking over the entire world of, you know, those big eyes. They do a really they do a really good job at just making it look so like frightened and nervous and innocent. so it just breaks your heart when you watch it. Yeah. So yeah, so he basically goes onto the planet to meet up with Grief Karga. Uh yeah, it, I, I think I mentioned to you during the episode that it's just with, with his ear, flappy ears yeah. being flat with him. <laughs> when they arrive on the planet and there's like yeah. all these like ships landing, it's probably very overwhelming to him. Yeah. And so you see his like ears flapping and he's just kind of looking around with those big eyes, those big yellow eyes. I know that you like this scene just because it takes us back to the society, the, you know, the... Yeah, What's the just, name of the planet that he's on? Has that been mentioned I or is it just... I, if they've mentioned it, I don't remember. I don't think they do. Again, because it's, you know, it's... Right. For a, for a, for a theme like this, kind of the lone, lone uh, I guess, lone wolf, um, it's not important, you know? It's, but I like, you know, it's like the architecture is very Star Wars. You get all these really it's been weird-looking creatures walking around and, like, see stuff on skewers and, like, all this weird-looking... Stuff being grilled. Yeah. Looks pretty tasty to me. Oh, get, a, get a nice uh yeah, nice sandwich of that meat. There you go. I mean, yeah, so we so as we've seen before, when you enter with the client, um, you knock and then the great See, that I keep little, asking like, security you, droid. Okay, yeah, because I, I, I keep relying on you to tell me if these things that these obscure things have names. Is it probably thing. does. I haven't looked that up That's on fair. Wikipedia, but. I mean, it's we do a, see it in Return of the Jedi when they go right. to Jabba's palace, and it's, it's like a, pretty much the same voice, and it says the same thing. Um, security. Measure. I'm sure it's got pages and pages of backstory, <laughs> which just makes it you know, makes sense. So, I mean, yeah. So he goes there. He does the. We've all seen this before, um, but this time he's got the asset in tow. So the uh, stormtrooper, you know, he grabs it, kind of like protect, is a little bit more protective of it, and then you know, the Mandalorian says, "Hey, watch it. Watch this. It's you know." I hate this so much. The, 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 the uh, stormtrooper responds back, "No, you be careful." No, he's like, or you, "Oh, yeah, just take it easy with that." He goes, "You, you take it easy." It's just so dumb. <laughs> just, it's just so dumb. He's got a very angry vendetta against the Mandalorian because I know, just like in the first episode when they had that standoff, I know the stormtroopers don't like him, and so I think he's just very on edge around this guy. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it might I, be it might be armor envy to be honest, helmet <laughs> envy. Damn right, I know we all have we are rife with it for yeah. sure. And you it's know, only going to get easy. worse. The envy is only going to get worse from here. <laughs> we'll get yeah, into that in a little bit. So he brings Yiddle over to the client. I'm telling you, man, Werner Herzog, I fits so properly. He into does the a universe. really good job. He in kills this. it, man. It's hard to think that that's the guy that directed Fitz Caraldo in 1982, among other things. But man. Uh, so he, him and the doctor, and I'm not a fan of this doctor character yet. I know we haven't, you know, there's no context really other than the fact that he's kind of working for the client, but I Well, we know. do have that little context that he's like a cloning doctor because he's got the, once again, the Kaminoan the sigil on his arm. Sure. And that's where they made the clones back in the Clone Wars. So I'm just excited to get some more context for yeah. him because, you know, so far it just seems like almost like a freaking you know, Mangala character that, you know, takes these kind of creatures and operates on them. But as we find out later on, maybe not with him. Right. So uh, Mando, he gives the canister to the canister of Beskar. So that's right. And actually that's a fun little Easter egg, which I've been it. excited to tell you about. I'm happy to hear um, it. 
that canister is the same canister that we see for just a brief second in Empire Strikes Back. There's this guy. It's when the Imperials have taken over Cloud City and everyone's kind of evacuating. And we see this one guy in this like orange jumpsuit. His name is Wilro Hood. And he's got this little canister. It's the same canister. And everyone just kind of calls him like the ice cream maker, the ice cream man. Because it looks like an ice cream machine, like a little ice it cream does, maker. Yeah. And... um so watching it for the first time, I noticed that. And I was like, okay, it's a nice little callback to Empire Strikes Back. And it's just like <laughs> such a small reference that I'm just glad that they touched upon. And the, so the true fans know. Yeah, Real I guess. Fans know. So, you know, for years, everyone wanted to know what's in there that's so important. I guess it's just full of riches. Full of money, baby. So, uh, Will Row Hood, that's full for of you. Cheddar. Nice. Um, so I th- this is the kind of point where um, the Mandalorian kind of shows that he's capable of not yet breaking the code, but you, he's on his way to doing that. When he well, asked, yeah, because he does. He says, "What are you yeah. going to use it for?" And that's when things even kinda... even the client says it's uncharacteristic of right. you. To, you know, at this, you know, you've taken the money. You know, you've done the task. This You're should all be forgotten. You're not supposed to be asking about yeah, you, what we need it for. You it's were none just of your supposed business. to go get it, uh, which is kind of cool. You know, that's some character development there. He's that starting I think, to change fundamentally a little yeah. bit, and obviously, he cares about this baby and i know a lot of people disagree because they're wrong but it i I think that there's plenty of um emotion and movement when he kind of asks that you can tell he cares not just from dialogue of what do you you know but you can tell the way he looks um that he cares and well i mean they use stuff like body language they use camera movements to portray emotions from him who is you know kind of a one-dimensional looking character just because you don't get to see his face I mean, I know that they've cast the beautiful uh, Pedro Pascal in the role, and so you think, ah, they got to show his face. But I'm telling you, I know a lot of people disagree, but you don't need to. I know I they will because they cast him. They have to, but eventually we'll probably to. see his face. I have to imagine. I guess that's because we, we've never seen like the, the Fets. We've never seen well, their face. Well, we do right? see Django Fett. You do in uh, Attack of the Clones. We see his face. We see, I mean, we see Boba Fett too, yeah. but he's a kid at the time. Yeah, but no, right. Django Fett has his helmet off plenty in that movie. Well, then, if, I, I guess I forgot about that. So right. to me, I mean, that not, kind of you know, cements the fact that we're going to take it off. But. Usually people's least favorite Star Wars movie is the Attack of the, Clones. of the Clones. That's true. Well, I guess my point is they don't need... I, I would not be mad. I, I kind of hope we never do just to piss people off because he clearly has the performance down with the body language that, to the point where you don't need to see it. But I mean, I guess we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but... There's the point where he goes to the Mandalorian underworld, spoilers, I guess, and they kind of mention, like, have you been dehelmeted before? And they both say no. So I'm just thinking maybe, you know, eventually he might take his helmet off. I know we've said it before, but, you know, the the client, great character, I don't know if we'll ever, you know, have him be anything other than just the client, but... Werner Herzog, man, he just... I remember the the day they announced that, and I'm like, holy shit, because he just... He fits well because he's a he's he's kind of a mysterious character in himself. I mean, he's not like a he's not like he himself as as a as a, an actor slash director. Again, he acts in very little, which is why it was so fascinating when he was agreed to do this. I don't know if he's a fan. I mean, would he seem like the kind of guy who would kind of scoff the idea of doing a Star Wars movie oh, just yeah. because it's so Absolutely. on the radar? If this guy's this guy's filmography screams like you know auteur, like I would never you know super like I, I assume he would hate. Like Marvel movies, but the fact that he's in here, is, he and apparently he loves it too. Yeah, so. he, I saw that he said that 
baby Yoda was like so beautiful to him that it brought yeah. him to tears. So yeah. go figure. Obviously, because he's always been like a, he's kind of like spikely in that sense. Whereas like he's a, he has such like you know like a, an eccentric personality. Where I would not be, I mean, you would think upon seeing his like uh, his filmography that he would hate this kind of like cape shit, as, as haters would always call it. But right. you know, it's you know, it's, baby Yoda uh, will do that to a man. Oh, yeah, nobody's immune to that kid's you know that kid's charm. So yeah, so this is when we go back to the Mandalorian underworld, and then I guess it recently hit me that they're you know, they're in hiding, right? Right. I mean, they still are, you know, for now. Um, I think they've been deplaced by the Empire. Okay, and it's just. It's been a rough go for the Mandalorians. We have an idea of how long, or is that just a you know unknown for now? Well, I have to imagine that you know when the Empire took power, mm-hmm. which was so funny enough in Star Wars as a timeline. There's BBY and ABY, so that means before the Battle of Yavin and after the Battle of Yavin. So that's basically when in A New Hope. When the when the Death Star gets exploded, oh, okay. gets destroyed, that's our timeline. So like, Revenge of the Sith happens nineteen BBY nineteen years before the Battle of Yavin, and so this that. takes place. I think I want to say it's around ten ABY after the Battle of Yavin. Okay, so it's not super long. I mean, it's right. right. So Am I reading about, that right? Maybe about twenty thirty years. They've been. Kind of deplaced by the Empire. Enough to have a hold of the, all the hierarchy and everything in place. And right. It's been lived in. Yeah, all right. I guess that makes sense. So anyway, we go back to them. You know, again, I like it. I know you like it too because we get to see other Mandalorians in their own you know, home. Mandalorians just look so cool. I know. I love it, man. <laughs> like it's so cool. Especially when they get souped up armor. Because right. uh, um, as we saw in, what uh, two episodes ago... I believe when the first time they went down there, that, that was the first episode. When he had the best car and yeah. he got that little shoulder pauldron. Yeah, that was in the first yeah. episode. So this is basically that. But you know, when you're when you're stunned on everybody and you've got all that cheddar, he brings the whole lunchbox, ice cream maker full of uh, the best car. Best car. I need to remember that best car. That's the kind of currency. Which of course the kind of I, I'm going to call her the high priestess Mandalorian. Well, she's called the armorer. Oh, so. There you go. She probably is a high priestess, but she also makes armor. The high priestess armorer. There you go. The armorer. Yeah. So she, of course, takes all the armor. And the the, the idea is that they're going to craft almost entirely new armor for him. Right. Um, including a sigil for taking down the mud tusk. The mud horn. Mud horn. Mud tusk. And, but as it's Jesus. happening, you see all these other Mandalorians kind of start to come in from out of the shadows to be like, hey, what's, what's up yeah. with this guy? Why does he have all this Beskar? And why does he taking work from the Empire. The jealousies does not look good on them when no. they see that armor. Yeah, so um, it, it, she mentions that you get a, you know, the the, um, the emblem. Uh, the for, sigil. The sigil, thank you. I was like, in my head, the sigil for taking down uh, the... The Mudhorn. Mudhorn. I don't know why I'm so bad at remembering that one name. It's ridiculous. Mudhorn. I keep thinking of like Mud Basilisk. It doesn't matter. Mud anyway, it, which he says, no, yeah, I don't deserve it. You know, I would love it. I don't deserve it. I kind of got the help uh, from an enemy at the time who did not know he was enemy at the time. And so there's that little fight that ensues between him and the bigger Mandalorian, which... I don't know if he's got a name yet due to his action figure. It's just, I think it's just like heavy Mandalorian gunner or something like that, but he's voiced by John Favreau and they get into a little fight, a little squabble over the, uh, the usage of Imperial forged Beskar. 
Uh, just another example of him kind of breaking the code. Right. You know, becoming a lone wolf in that sense too. Absolutely. Um, this is this is where I think you and I both agree that the you know the phrase "this is the way" has become yeah. the new "I have spoken," but. It's, it's it's just the fact that it's just repeated over and over <laughs> by by people online. It's just like this yeah. is the way, this is the way, this is the way. I have spoken, I have spoken. It's like okay, and like yeah. you see threads online where it's just everybody's just saying this is the way. Yeah, which I mean, I get it. You know, it's a cool, it is badass, and it's cool. It's nice to have some of that, you know, that lore through dialogue, right? But- Boy, all right. And you kind of see the tribalism or the culture sure. of the Mandalorians is pretty cool too. It is cool to the point where it's like okay, I get it. Right. This is the way. It's just, yeah, like in this show, whenever one says this is the way, it's like five more minutes of everyone saying this is the way. Right. I get it. Fair enough. Um, so he gets the, a weapon forged from the Baskar called Whistling Birds. This is, yeah. This That is the way for me. I that like that. That is the way. Whistling Birds, as we will see later on, um, minuscule homing missiles, for yeah. lack of a better description. Um, those are forged and are put on him for use later on. It's in his gauntlet. Which is, there's a lot of cool things in this gauntlet yeah. I've noticed. Um, yeah, so it is cool. It is cool to see how his armor will. Pro- I mean, this is kind of proof that unless this is the end of it, I don't think it is that his his armor will progress over time of right. the series, which is really cool. And I do like the forging scene because it's mm-hmm. like it's cool to see forging in Star Wars, which just seems so outlandish and medieval. It does. It seems sort of primitive, like, but it's right. It's, it's like cyberpunk. Oh, it's like um, yeah, it's like cyberpunk in that kind of way. Right, I love and it. so. For some reason, the forging brings up memories of the Clone Wars when he was just a child and his parents were killed. It's cool to see the B2 Super Battle Droids again that we see in the prequels. It's just cool to see him now in this era of time. I mean, it's it's a flashback, but it's cool to see them again on screen. I think this show does a good job of towing the line between like, hey, remember this? Hey, right. remember that? And it, or having it, you know... Uh, an organic way of kind of right. showing things that you recognize without pointing like, hey, you remember this guy? Because, I mean, granted, we do see a lot of that in the newer movies where it's just like, eh, kind of like yeah. nudging you. Like, remember hey, look at thing? that. You remember that from back in the day when they showed that in A New Hope and now it's back. Yeah. I, I guess my question is why does the forging bring about these you know, flashback memories? I don't know. I mean, we'll see it eventually, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Kind of reminds you of, of Infinity War, the flashback for Gamora, right. but yeah. So and, luckily, yeah. our boy, he gets new armor made. Uh, he arrives at the cantino. The cantina. He's dressed to the nines, Oof. looking like a million bucks, stunting on everybody. They're jealous. They're looking raggedy as hell. <laughs> Mando knows he's looking hot. He goes he, to meet our boy, Grief Karga. He struts. Like, he knows he's hot yeah. shit. I mean, if you Man. had, like, and the BGs playing in the background, it would probably fit the scene very well. Yeah, he looks good, man. He's got that. His armor, it, other than the fact that it looks new and you know, brushed, looks like a mirror, baby. He yeah. looks like a million bucks. Chromed out. Chromed out. That's a good phrase. But he looks chromed out. Ooh, I love it. So, yeah, he, he walks in. He meets Grief Carter, who then tells him. You know, he, says, he says, they all hate you. Right. Yeah. They're all jealous, man. It looks terrible on them. I agree. You have what they want. Yeah. And they're mad about it. They're yeah. looking raggedy. They're looking cold. Yeah, then he, he, another Chekhov's gun, so to speak. He kind of, you know, he even Grief Karga shows him, like, listen, you know, you're going to get rich from this bounty that these people could not accomplish. And look at me. I also am getting rich, too. He right. shows, he shows a couple off of, the, little, uh, yeah. the little bit of Beskar he's got little in his bling. little coat pocket. Keep that in mind. Keep it close to the heart. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so, that, yeah, so he, hey, you know, thanks for doing the job. 
at this point, Mando says, I want it, you know, all I want is the next job. Grief Karga says, you know, you need to take a break, you know, taking these nice baths. Well, they say, he goes, why don't you go to the Twilight bathhouse, the healing baths. I was like, hang on, let's hear a little more about that. That <laughs> sounds kind of nice. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I, I can't say that I agree that he would want to get back to work and not even at least look at these baths. I, I mean, the Twi'leks, nice. are, they're, they're pretty good-looking creatures in Star Wars. And to go to a healing bathhouse, that sounds pretty relaxing. But Mandalorian wants to keep moving. He's I guess, a man of his job. Yeah, you, you and I would have a much, much different approach there, but yeah, fair enough. And I like, you know, Grief Car gives him the bounty puck, and it's like a... It's a Mon Calamari, who, um, if you know who Admiral Akbar is, it's who the same doesn't? species, same creature. Everyone knows who Admiral Akbar is. But apparently, enough. it's like a nobleman's son who skipped out on bail. So the Mandalorian's got to bring him in. Goes to his ship. He's ready to take on this bounty. Steve, what does he notice there in his ship? He notices that the, uh, I mean, what do you call that? The handle has been broken off again, and he's reminiscing. Well, he remembers. He's like, ah, oh, baby Yoda, Yiddle. Yiddle. How can I leave him here? I can't do this, man. Which, I, did I personally want this show to become a kind of uh, Logan-esque, you know, father and son, father figure kind of thing? No, but I'm not going to complain I mean, too much. Yeah, because I also didn't want to just be about this, once again, like the forbidden alien child, the forbidden creature that everybody wants and he's got to take to safety. But like, once they take him to the client and they're like wheeling him off oh. and the baby Yoda oh. kind of like... Gives this little cry out to the Mandalorian. It just like break broke my heart, and I was like, "We need to protect this baby at all costs." And, and plus, you know, I mean, listen, Disney, you know, the, the company knows what it's doing when it comes to this baby Yoda, right? You know, Yiddle. Uh, they're not gonna just you know gonna let him just go on to the next adventure without that. They need to get that marketing money or that merchandise money, which is you know that's fair. And I would murder for one too, and I'll be buying one. So, I guess you can't complain that much. So at that point, yeah, the Mando he says, "All right, I gotta go back." So he goes back to the so he goes back to the client's area and he uh, he finds Yiddle's kind of bassinet um, item in the trash. It's in like the Star Warsy dumpster. <laughs> God, that kills me. It pisses me off, honestly. Yeah, what happens next, Devin? So the Mandalorian he goes to the front door, knocks on it, a little security droid comes out. He like yanks its head off. Stormtroopers come out, they're like, where is he? But before that, actually, we get to see him on the rooftop, and it's cool that we get to see his rifle can pick up heat readings, it's and awesome, it can, like, the audio can, like, go through yeah, focus walls. the audio, yeah. Yeah. It's almost it's almost kind of deus ex machina a bit. We're like, what can't that thing do? Right, but, oh, and so... Badass. I love it. It's like, you. we get to kind of hear, like, it's very broken up, the audio. Well, because... All technology in Star Wars, at least in the societies, it's like it's it's primitive, futuristic. Right. It's like which is broken, cool. but yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. So it's, it's far beyond our technology, but yeah, it looks primitive for that. We kind hear of the galaxy. client kind of saying like, "Let's extract this thing and then get rid of this thing and like Ugh. kill it off." He's a great character, but goddamn it, do I not like that that kind of thinking there? Right. And so the Mandalorian, he puts some kind of detonator on the wall blows it up. And then we just get to see a lot of fun of stormtroopers getting killed. I just like how he's, he's not subtle. There's no stealth. I mean, there's a little bit of stealth when he's in it, but his entrance right. is very well known. No, it's guns blazing for sure. Love that. I mean, after you see the bass in the trash, yeah, it makes sense. I would do the same thing. And so this whole scene is just a great use of showing off his gauntlets and his equipment. There's yeah. like one point where he's got like that, like cable that shoots out and he, 
pulls the stormtrooper toward him and stabs him in the back. Very Assassin's Creed. Right. And then at one point he toward uses he has a surprise flamethrower on his uh, gauntlet. He uses a to singe a guy, torched him real nice. Just, that's like a pretty violent little it scene is. there. And yeah. that's that to me is like because I know there's a lot of arguments online that like we need like an R-rated Star Wars movie, and that's just like they can get violent enough to where it's you know it's able to be. Yeah. It leaves a bit to the imagination. I mean, right. Let me ask you this on, on that topic: Has it ever been like confirmed canonically that like the lightsaber will like cauterize the wound as it happens? Or is that kind of just like a fan assumption? Well, it makes sense to me. It's a see, cool it's thing. It's funny because in A New Hope, Obi Wan cuts the arm off of Panda Baba in the cantina, and you see blood on the floor with his arm. Mm-hmm. But then. In, like, the rest of the movies, we don't really see blood. We see cauterized. So it's, like, it's canonical after the first one. But then yeah. in... It makes... it make, it makes Physically, it makes sense to me. That's all I'm saying. In episode seven, when Kylo Ren gets shot by Chewie's bowcaster, he's bleeding. So, I don't know. It's it's all a, yeah. a cluster F of... <laughs> well, I know that... Um, of who's he, what's he. I know he gets cut in half in the, in the prequels. Darth uh, Maul. Darth Maul, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of dismemberments. There's a lot of arms flying off, and you just kind of see the the cauterized wound. I mean, I'll, I'll happily take like a like a game, like an M-rated game that's violent like that. You know, like, like they did they did the same thing for Wolverine. Yeah, they made a really really violent Wolverine that was kind of like your good power fantasy that for fans. But I just yeah. I think the lightsabers and the blasters can do enough without yeah, you know well, making 100%. it too gory. And I just I don't think we need an R-rated Star Wars. And so basically, my point is like that flamethrowing gauntlet scene was violent enough to where like it just doesn't really need to be so graphic yeah uh mando eventually gets to the doctor and yiddle he's got he's got him under some sort of scanning machine tied down which of course you know it i don't know if they're like extracting his dna or what they're doing there they're taking readings of him all i know is that seeing yiddle strapped down with the scanning machine on him and it's not like a no, it's 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 not good. It's not fun to watch. And so funny enough, there, just a little throwback, we see the ITO interrogation droid. We see that in A New Hope. It's like that floating ball droid with a syringe on it. Oh, yeah, okay. That they use uh, on Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just once again, just a little throwback. So at this point, the doctor, I mean, you know, he cowers in fear because he's a freaking Not coward. a good look for the doctor, Steve. No, it's embarrassing to watch. Now, but he, you know, he obviously apparently, you know, or so he claims, has a turn of heart because Mando, you know, what did you do to him? And the doctor, while cowering in fear, don't forget about that, says, right, huh. you know, I, I saved his life. I'm saving his life. You know, if it wasn't for me, he would be dead by now, but I'm keeping him alive. Well, I and- think the doctor thinks that the Mandalorian is coming to kill the baby because he keeps saying no it's it's just a child please don't do anything to it okay interesting yeah i guess i'm not sure how that goes because yeah i mean he cowers in fear and yeah i'm you you assume that he you know, again i use the term man, you know, me mangle as the you know he wants to mangle of this kid wants to perform a you know uh an auto really experiment. i mean experiment experiments a better word yeah so it's interesting to me that he, because he says, "Oh, i'm saving his life i mean within that in the middle of that time when he when he takes Yiddle, and then when he gets when Yiddle gets saved, does he have a kind of off-screen change of heart, right. or is well, he just think, lying out of his teeth? I think it's very much confirmed at this point that the client wants to kill the kid, mm-hmm. and the doctor wants to keep it alive. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying by like that change of heart, which may, you know that's fair. But all the same, the Mandalorian gets Yiddle, and he's walking out with it. You know, once again, he's got to really like he's got to do everything one-handed now because he's carrying sweet baby, Yiddle. right? Our sweet boy. 
Um, at one point he gets surrounded and that's when we get to see the whistling birds do what they do, which is just like these little homing missiles. As you said, mm-hmm. uh, they take out all the stormtroopers and he's out of it. It's kick ass. Hey, you know, it's, it's simple, but I like it. I'm a fan of it. And so at this point we get to see, it's very reminiscent of John wick where all yeah, the trackers he, are starting to go off. Yeah. He leaves the area. So the trackers, because when, which we forgot to mention is that when the Mando meets up with grief, um. Yes. You know how many other people got this tracker right. that I got. You know to track down how many other people were doing my job as well. And I think that cantina they're in is like a bounty hunters yeah. hangout. Sure. So of course, so the, and the answer of course was they all everybody here. Right. Everybody here had the same thing as you, but you were the only one that got right. to do it. Hence, you get all the prize, the sweet money, the the, the cheddar, um, the Baskar. So at this time, of course, when he leaves the uh, the area with Yiddle, it kind of reactivates everybody's tracker, right. and they're all thinking, and so oh, shit. so as he's walking back to his ship, you kind of see everybody kind of looking at him, starting to follow him, and you even see his hand on his blaster. He's yeah. ready to go, man. He's ready to pounce, yeah, which is very good. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a good, that's a, it's a pretty good scene. I, I like the fact that, you know, it, it, like you said, it's very reminiscent of John Wick, where everyone kind of wants to hunt the exact same person. So at this point... He gets to an area. All the bounty hunters are surrounding him. Griff Karga's there. I bet he's wishing he had. I bet he's wishing he had his whistling birds. Yeah, fortunately, just used him up. Yeah, because he was told they're rare um, by the high priestess armorer, self coined. And at this point, it's just a great little shootout between the Mandalorian and all the bounty hunters. And it's just like it's just good Star Wars, man. Just fun times. <laughs> it's just it's Star just Wars like, action. It's just like a westerny Star Wars. Well, and, because uh, well, because he gets surrounded, and then of course one of them is Grief Karga, and he right. says, "Hey, you know, and you know, drop the the asset because these people don't see how these people can look at him at right. and think of him as, as an asset still, and not be fall in love with him like the rest of us humans." If Mando had shown everybody the baby, they'd probably all be like, "Okay, I understand." Just hold up and say, "This is the this is the asset you want to operate in this kid." Because they say it takes a village to raise a child, and so that could have been the village that they used. But unfortunately, that's unfortunately not. A lot of them got turned to laundry again. Yeah, it is a great scene of action. I mean, it's straightforward. It's just gunshots, right. but all that. But again, you get to see that amazing. Now, what is the name of his rifle? So you, I you don't told me the know name. the name of his exact rifle, but it's a disruptor rifle. Disruptor I was rifle. Actually, I've been watching the uh, Rebels again, and they touch upon the disruptor rifles and how dangerous they are. Yeah, I mean, I know at this point, obviously, grief is shook. Right. Um, but I know, that, and as, as you have in the notes here, you say that this is a good time. This is the time of the, of the show where you think, how lucky are we? Right. And so he's like on this cart, and that's like his only real cover. And I like how he tells the droid to start moving. Because there's like an astromech droid that's mm-hmm. driving this cart. Sure. And the astromech like shakes his head no. <laughs> no, and no. Then, Mandalorian just pulls, kind of pulls out points his gun. the gun at him. Move! And the thing's like, all right, fair enough. And so it doesn't get very far before it gets shot by grief. And then at this point, he's surrounded. And I'm thinking that, because it, it, the camera goes to Yiddle, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking that it's going to... Probably intentional. I, I think he's going to use the Force again, and everyone's going to start levitating in the air, wondering what's going on. But much better, we see a missile come in knocks off a guy off the roof and in come the other Mandalorians the, from earlier. The boys the are back. The boys are here. Yeah. So the Mandalorians fly over the horizon and they start, you know, helping him out. I mean, they're shooting people, protecting him. 
you know, kind of one of those, you know, you you go, we'll hold right. them off, this you go. This is the way, this is our tribe. Yeah. This is also the point where they all say, this is the way again. And I'm like, okay, we, we, get, we get it. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, I'm not bugged that they, that they say it. I'm bugged that it goes like 15 other ones that all say, this is the end. This is, or this is, uh, this is the, the way, this is the way. I just can't stress enough how happy I am to have a Star Wars show. We're just like. We get this next week too, and then the following week, and then for a couple more weeks, then and then season two, baby. We'll uh, until season two, and then you've got this director Deborah Chow doing every episode of the Obi Wan, which is gonna yeah. be you know, very eager to see that. Yeah, which I mean, I don't think there's like a time window for that. I think it's probably tw- I'm gonna, I'm going to say 2021 because yeah. I'm assuming you're going to have season two next year. Right? If has that been confirmed? I don't. I guess you know. There's obviously a lot. It's I don't confirmed, know. but anyway, in this episode. Um, the Mandalorians are all on their jetpacks, mm-hmm. shooting everybody pretty easily. Then we get the uh, the big one that's voiced by John Favreau, and he's got this like machine gun Chain type gun. blaster Ugh, that's so attached cool. to him. I love it. And then Mandalorian gets back to his ship. Grief Karga's there, and Gre- you know, like a little standoff ensues. Uh, the Mandalorian shoots the carbonite thing that he's got in his is that what it is okay that it's, makes well, sense because remember he he puts the guy in carbonite in the first yeah. episode no, that bounty. makes sense you're right and so it kind of creates like a smoke screen um to distract grief right it's, you know, it's a typical way to you know to distract him uh grief's f- fiery blindly into the thing right. into the abyss which scares me because yiddles out there i'm like don't hit my mans <laughs> um so then yeah i mean he gets he takes a shot to the chest from mando and then that fantastic Ludwig Göransson score pops in that 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 musical motif that kind of whistling kind of uh, western like motif whenever anything badass happens oh I love it and I am glad that we get more grief Carta. I like Carl Weathers I think he's doing a really good job in this role I think yeah. he fits really well into this universe he plays a sleazy kind of you know yeah he's, he plays that well well he's very lawful yeah, he's lawful. Like, it's not personal. He doesn't hate the Mandalorian, but no. he broke the rules. I think he's, like, chaotic good. You know, the fact sure. that he's, like... I would know, even he's... say lawful good. Lawful well, neutral, even. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of has that... He's lawful, but he kind of has a little bit of sleaziness, kind of salesman to himself at the same sure. time. Sure, I mean, I think that's you get that with any bounty hunter. Though. Sure, he's had... Yeah, from experience, that's fair enough. Um, The, the point of this whole thing is that he gets shot in the chest, he gets thrown out... Um, and then Mando takes off with Yiddle, but um, to go back to his initial meeting with him from the earlier in the episode, he gets shot in the chest, but he gets hit. Uh, the laser hits his um, his gas car. Baskar. Baskar, damn it. That's why, so I looked over at you, I'm like, uh, Baskar, thank you. He gets hit with that, so he's uh, still alive. Um, yeah, and so, so. yeah, we cut to Mandalorian in his cockpit, he's flying off. And then we see Yiddle like reach for the little ball that was on his lever, and so he just gives it over to him and screws it and drops it in his hand. Mandalorian's ready to be a poppy, and then he, that's it, man. And well, that's we it. do see the big Mandalorian oh, yeah, flying beside him on the jetpack, kind of salutes him, and the Mandalorian goes, "I got to get one of those," which mm-hmm. I'm hoping is foreshadowing that he does get one because jetpacks are cool. I would like one myself. You all would. Who doesn't, my man? And so. uh, yep, they. Uh, he they take off launches off to the next planet, and that's the next where we're going to hopefully pick back up in Chapter Friday. 4. Yeah, Chapter 4. I will say um, there are absolutely no references to This Is Us in this episode. I didn't think there would be, but in case anyone thought there was going to be a connection between This Is Us and The Mandalorian, there are none. That's Yeah, 
So I, I know the world's we've been clamoring for that information. Yeah, just uh, in case you were wondering for that connection, zero connection to this is us. I do want to say that I'm done looking up the direct who's who's directing beforehand. I want to know after the fact. There you go. So I don't know who's directing episode four. Um, I know Deborah Chow is directing episode seven. So I that one I did spoil for myself, but keep an eye out for that one. And that's it for this episode. I mean, that's it know, for chapter three. Pretty straightforward. Excited for for episode four. We'll be back for episode four, talk, chronicling chapter four of The Mandalorian. It'll be a Thanksgiving-themed episode. That's right. We'll, we'll be stuffing our face full of turkey at the A same very time. Mandalorian Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's, stay tuned for that. We love you very much. Give us a review on iTunes. That's it for us. Bye-bye.